0: Father, we thank you for the songs that have been sung. We thank you for the prayers that have been prayed. We thank you, God, for those that have taken time out of their schedule to come and be a part of our celebration of today. Father, we thank you that we have set aside this time to celebrate fathers and all that they do. Father, we ask that you'll give every father a a renewed sense of of their worth and of uh, the example that they set for future generations. Father, as we look at this into your word today, we ask that it will fall upon the good soil of our hearts and that it will gain great root. And that men, women, boys and girls will be encouraged today because of the significance of the fathers in their lives. We thank you and honor you for it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Again, we're going to talk about fathers because it's Father's Day and I think it is a good thing to discuss. I think it's a good point to bring out uh, the significance of fathers. Part of the reason why fathers are being attacked is because of their significance. They are the trendsetters. They are the ones that set the standards for future generations. And so we're going to look at that and we're going to take as much time as necessary. Hopefully only, I'm not even going to say a time today. We're just going to get done when we get done. The first thing I want to do today is I want to help to establish some some definitions so that as we go forward we understand where we're coming from. We're talking about lasting legacy, lasting legacy. And when you hear the word lasting, you think about continuing, something that is continuing to go on in time, that is enduring, that is remaining, something that is durable. And that it will continue on and on. Such as if you had a lasting color, that means that color is going to be there for a long time. I was thinking of some other things, but I won't mention those. But just lasting, something that continues to go on and continues to be over time. The other Definition I want to bring out today is the definition legacy. Uh, legacy is a uh, bequest. It is a uh, given a uh, will, such as uh, sum of money, gift of property. Another thing that legacy is it is uh, something that's handed down from an ancestor or a predecessor. Legacy is something that's handed down from an ancestor or predecessor. Even in colleges, some colleges have what they call a a legacy admission. If somebody from your family has gone to that college before, you actually move up to the top of the list because you've had a family member, specific especially a parent or a grandparent or parent that has gone there before. So you get what they call a legacy admission. So legacy has a significance. We talked about legacy on Mother's Day. We actually talked about a lasting legacy from the uh, view of the mother. So I want to take that same title and use it as it talks about the fathers. I want to also point out the fact that uh, a legacy is not based upon the fact who you are. But legacy is based upon what you determine how you want to express Christ on the earth. We want to be a person that reflects his glory. To everyone that you encounter. And that because of that, folks not only see you, but they also see Christ in you, which is the hope of glory. I was watching a a documentary about uh, Muhammad Ali, and they were talking about how Muhammad Ali, because of how he stood and how he um, carried himself, that he touched lives. He was, uh, and this was coming from the, the, uh, his children's perspective. You know, he was always uh, like the dad that we saw today, telling jokes. He was, he was always that type of person, and so he left a a a legacy of hope, of a legacy of you can do it, with not only his children but folks that he interacted with. I think about other men that have come and left legacies of hope. Legacies that some of them, their children even sponsor scholarships, sponsor things in their name because of the influence that they've had in the lives of those while they were here on this side of life. And so as we look at this legacy, I want to use a different set of scriptures today. And once I pull it together, then you'll you'll catch on where we're at. We're going to go to Joshua, the fourth chapter, and run through that, and then we'll call it a day. In Joshua, the fourth chapter, starting at the first verse, before this time period, Joshua has just been breached by God himself, and it started off in Joshua 1, I believe it's 1 and 2. He says, hey, Joshua, Moses is dead. Now you're in charge, but don't worry. He says, be of good courage, because I'm with you. I got you. He says, but I need you to meditate on my word day and night so that you have an understanding. And this understanding will allow you to lead the people. And so, the first couple of chapters is God telling Joshua, "This is how this thing is going to work out." The third chapter, Joshua is finally starting to take over. So Joshua says, "All right, we getting ready to go over to the land of milk and honey, the land that God has prepared for us." And so, the first thing that they, the first obstacle that they had to deal with was the Jordan River. Now, let me tell you something about this Jordan River real quick. Jordan River, it wasn't no creek. You know, y'all country folks, y'all know what a creek is. You know, it's just a little bit of water running down. You know, something that some of us can jump over if we got strong enough legs. No, it was It's, it's probably about, uh, uh, some estimates was it's probably about 20, 30 feet wide and probably about 15, 20 feet deep. That's a river. All right. You can't just jump across that joke. But what he did is he took them to this river and he briefed them. He said, when we get to this river, what's going to happen is the priests are going to walk into the water with the ark. And then we're going to cross over. So now some of us simple folks would probably be like, well, we're going to walk the creek. The priest are going to stand on the creek because that thing deep. But what ended up happening is, as the priest stepped into the water, the water started separating. And so as the priest went into the water and stood in the center of the Jordan River, everybody else got to walk across on dry ground. And and, uh, uh, Joshua even told him, he said, this is what's going to happen. And he says, when we go through here, there's going to be a task that we have, which is what we're going to talk about. Joshua, the fourth chapter, starting at that first verse, says, When all the nation had finished passing over the Jordan, the Lord said to Joshua, Take twelve men from the people, from each tribe a man, and command them, saying, Take twelve stones from here, out of the midst of the Jordan, from the very place where the priests' feet stood firmly, and bring them over with you, and lay them down in the place where you lodge.'" tonight. And so what he did is he said, pick one man from each tribe. And as they walk past the priest, they I want them to pick up a nice size stone and take it on across to the other side of the Jordan. And so that's what they did. These guys take these 12 stones and they lay, take them across the river. Now remember where they got them from. They got them from the center bottom part of this river. You were going to die down there and just grab these stones. Starting at verse 15 now, and it says, And the Lord said to Joshua, Command the priest bearing the ark of the testimony to come up out of the Jordan. So Joshua commanded the priests, come up out of the Jordan. And when the priest bearing the ark of the covenant of the Lord came up from the midst of the Jordan, and the soles of the priest's feet were lifted up on dry ground, the waters of the Jordan returned to their place, and overflowed all its banks as before." Now when it talks about this overflowing, you know uh, we talk about April showers bring May flowers. So we know in the springtime there's a lot of water that comes down, either from the snow melting or whatever is going on. So it causes the, the crest of the river to go a little bit higher than it was before. And this is the season that they were walking through. It says, 19, it says, the people came up out of the Jordan on the 10th day of the first month, and they had camped at Gilgal on the east border of Jericho. And those 12 stones which they took out of the Jordan, Joshua set up at Gilgal. And he said to the people of Israel, when your children ask their fathers in times to come, what do these stones mean? Then you will let your children know Israel passed over this Jordan, on dry ground for the Lord your God dried up the waters of the Jordan over this Jordan Oh, okay I'm sorry for the Lord your God dried up the waters of the Jordan for you until you passed over as the Lord your God did to the Red Sea which he dried up for us until we passed over so that all the peoples of the earth may know that the hand of the Lord is mighty that you may fear the Lord your God forever, forever. Real quick, I want us to go to Genesis, the fifth chapter, the twenty-fourth verse, and then I'm going to pull all I'm going to give all the scriptures now and then as we go through. We'll tie it all in. Genesis five twenty-four simply says, "Enoch walked with God, and he was not for God." took him. Enoch walked with God, and he was not, for God took him. The point that I want to bring out today, one of the points, is the fact that we all have a level of responsibility when it comes to our next generation, to our legacy, to that enduring, that passing on that setting up of our legacy. And so the first question I want to ask you is this. What type of difference are you making? What type of difference are you making in your workplace, in your home, when you conduct yourself outside of home? What difference are you making in the church, in the community? What difference are you making? If we were to take a survey, would people say that you're being a positive influence or a negative influence? If you were to pass away today, what would folks say about you at your memorial ceremony? The people of Israel in Joshua had just come out of their second exodus. They had spent the last 40 years wandering around the wilderness because of unbelief. But if you look at what Joshua said toward the end of that, he said, just like God was able to do this for us in the Red Sea, he's also able to do it now as we cross. Jordan because God wants us to always remember that he is mighty and his desire is to show us off to the rest of the world that he is on our side and that not only that but that, that God has a desire for us to do better it was good that he was sustaining them in the wilderness but his whole goal his whole desire was for them to have the land that was flowing with milk and honey that he had prepared with them and now they were on the other side of the Jordan right on the edge of it getting ready to achieve what God had for them to achieve now don't think it was just going to be uh... a cakewalk for them they had to go through they had to fight some battles they had to do some things in order to make this happen remember they uh... they had said that there were giants in the land and they were out to fight those giants and their first obstacle, think about it, was what? The River Jordan. They had to go through the Jordan River in order to start the process. But what significant point do I want to make about that is the fact that as they allowed the presence of God to go before them, which is what the ark and the priest represented, as they allowed the presence of God to go before them, the very thing that they thought was an obstacle began to become the direction or the avenue, the venue that helped them to get to where God wanted them to go. Because as soon as the priest's feet touched the Jordan, remember I said, the water started parting. If you remember the Red Sea, if y'all ever seen that movie, The Ten Commandments, when Moses lifted up his staff, the water parted. Now, very quick little alley I want to run down. They have actually proved this to be a scientific phenomenon, that there was winds that actually can come and cause a turbulence such that it will cause waters to part. Let's get back on the highway. And so, as they saw that this uh, the Jordan was was overflowing, it was it was impossible, as they saw it, for them to go through the Jordan because the very presence of God went before them, he made, again, what looked as if it was not the right direction, he made it the right direction. So that's the first thing that he showed them. Then God said, what I want you to do, I want you to pick up these 12 stones from the very center of the river. It's not stones that just anybody can reach. You have to have been able to, to get down there and get these stones, and I don't think that they would grab a rock. When they're talking about stones, this is one of them two-arm carry type of things. You know, those of y'all that go to the grocery store and buy like 400 things, and then when you get home, you're like, I'm going to take all this in one trip type of thing, and so you got all the bags on your arms like this, you know, and it, And you you try to act like it ain't heavy, but you know it's heavy. You just be praying to God that you don't have to walk up no extra steps. But that kind of weight, it's a lot of weight that they have to carry in order to secure these stones. So he says, pick up these stones. As they picked up the stones, he takes them to the very first place where they established their community in the land of promise. And he says... I want you to stack these stones right here in this place. And these stones stacking, as time goes on, your children are going to ask, what do these stones represent? And you are going to be able to say, they represent God delivering us from one side of the Jordan to this side. It represents every tribe. It represents. Uh, what God did for your grandfather and your great-grandfather when he opened up the Red Sea and allowed them to come over to begin this process of us securing this land that he promised. One of the things that I have found very significant, I, I, I'm not a, not like a big hobby, but one of the things that I have started doing is I started looking at my genealogy. And you know, there's different websites that, that you can do that in, and I'm not advocating one or the other. Uh, but there's ways that you can see your history. You can see your legacy based upon these new systems of genealogy. And so we're sitting down, I'm sitting down with, uh, with my uh, daughter, and we're talking about her branch of the family tree. And as we start typing in names, we start seeing a computer going out and pulling in information. And as we pull in this information, we're able to deduce things about the family. One of the first times that we started doing this, look into genealogy. Lady Yolanda and I were looking, and we discovered that her, her uh, great grandfather was uh, had, had filled out his draft card right after World War One, And we also discovered that he could read and write because he wrote his name. And so that kind of gives you some, This you come from a, a line of folks that had an education. You see what I'm saying? As you look back over your history, you can see the benefit of what they did before and how it's benefiting you now. And so we want to establish, as we go forward, we want to establish family members. We want to establish a generations that do specific things. And so as we look at what these stones represented, they represented the history of the nation of Israel. And not only did they represent the history, but it represented the platform by which next generations could go off of. If you knew that your great great grandparent had a million dollars for your generation, you would go through every archive. You would do everything that was necessary for you to acquire that money, number one. But number two, it will put you into a position that is a little bit better than if you didn't have a million dollars. Would you agree? And so it's the same thing—not necessarily just with money, but us understanding our history so that we can go forward at a higher level. One of the things, one of the uh, uh, analogies that a lot of folks use is the fact that you stand on the shoulders of your ancestors, which means you're at another level level of elevation. That you're at a higher position because you've had somebody go before you in order to put you in a good position. And so we want to pass on from one generation to the next generation. And we want to make sure that the next generation is a little bit further down the road than we were before. That is why it's very important for us to communicate what is going on in our family. There was a time when folks would not tell you what had happened in the family and so when it occurred again they would just act as if oh that happened to you and then as you start talking to folks they'd be like oh man your cousin did the same thing or you know and you like well if everybody knew this why didn't somebody tell me you know what i'm saying so as now we've gotten to this uh social media thing where everything is out there it not only causes us to have revelation, but it also can cause us to have trepidation where we're feeling uneasy, where we're feeling apprehensive, we're feeling uh, left out because of the new information that we receive. So information can have some good and bad intentions in it. Now, as we look at, as we look at this fourth chapter of Joshua, we see how God has opened up doors for them to get in position. He has established a monument by which they can use to reference so that they can continue to go forward. And so as we look at that, we can say it is also true of our lives today. That God has called us to be that leader of our families, gentlemen. He has called us to lead. With a godly disposition. And I just read something this morning that, and I kind of chuckled at it. And it said that godly children need, no, it said parents want children to be godly and children need godly parents. I remember back in the day when we were growing up, there would be a lot of parents that would be like, I'm sending my children on to church so that they can get the Lord, and they would stay at home, and then they would come back, it would be a bus, and it would be almost like a school bus, all the kids getting off from the church bus, did you learn something today, and they'd be like, yeah, and then over time, we discovered that, the children would go home and tell their parents about what they were learning. And then the parents would be like, well, let me go see what's going on at that church. Well, we want to have an, a, a, an environment whereby it's not the children pulling us into, but it's us leading the children into what godliness is all about. I have, been transparent, I remember we had just moved into our trailer. Yolanda jumped up. Sunday morning she said I'm going to church and her and Tamaris got up and they went on the church and I was sitting there watching the football game and I kid you not God spoke to me God said You know you don't know what they are teaching your son at that church and I said yeah that's true So Yolanda and Tamaris come in from the church and I said I'm going with y'all next Sunday to church cuz I want to make I want to see what them folks try to teach my son See I li- see. I lived it. That's why I know. And it became a significant thing because I then met some men there that were that I could relate to, and then that was part of my salvation journey. So all this can work. We can lead the, uh, be a godly man to our uh, generations, and it's not just for us. When I uh, after Tamaris was born, my firstborn son was born. I wanted to do things for my family that not necessarily for Tamaris, but I was looking at my great grandchildren. I was saying, what can I do today that will affect my great grandchildren when they come around? Because I told I, was t- I tell the family all the time, I'm gonna be around to meet my first great 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 yeah great to great grandchild. I'll be around about hundred some. So, but that's all good. I'm gonna meet them. But my my thing was, what can I do now to influence that situation? So it starts with me, first of all. I'm trying to tell you how to establish a legacy. The first thing it starts with is you. And you have to understand as the father, as the head, you have to establish what is going to be The environment by which your children come up. Now I want to tell you this, that it's not just your personal children, those in which you, it's every young man, young lady that you meet because you will have an influence on their lives because if you're living a godly type of lifestyle, they're going to be attracted to you. So you will have influence on their lives. Today, for instance, I, uh, in the morning, I, I uh, we have a friend of ours who sends us a morning devotional, and but my um, text message kept going off and kept going off, and I was like, "What well, did she have to redo it again?" Because usually, I only get like one or two text messages in the morning. But it was some other young people that we have had the, the uh, uh, opportunity to be a blessing in their lives, and they were just texting me Happy Father's Day. You know what I'm saying? So it becomes this. This, uh, You hear me talk about dropping that pebble and you get those waves. It becomes this effect whereby you're touching not only your legacy, which is your family, but other folks, you're establishing legacy in them because of your influence. So I want to go ahead and talk about this and then we're going to call it a day. What we want to do is we want to Establish this legacy of being one that makes God preeminent in our decision making. Let me say it again. We want to establish a legacy whereby God is preeminent in our decision making. There's nothing wrong with us saying I need to go and pray about this before I make a decision about this. Because when we do those type of things and we do things that focus on god being number one it will cause that to be the characteristic of the next couple of generations it doesn't matter whether they become agnostic atheist, or whatever when times get really crazy guess what they do they refer back to what did my family do? Well, when my dad got in trouble, you know, had these, make these kind of decisions, he would always tell us, let me go pray about it. I'm going to go pray about it then see what happens. And that's what, that's what becomes it. You, for time, you may think you can do it in your own ability, your own power, but there's something that has been established, example to you, and then you go ahead and grab hold of it. I want to point out the reason I asked us to look at, uh, Genesis 5, 24, and just to read that little little bit of scripture, it talks about Enoch. And Enoch, it says, walked with God. That's what it says. It says Enoch walked with God. And for those of us that have been to Bible study, we, we talked about the word walk means to move with intentionality. So Enoch intentionally moved with God. He intentionally did godly things. And because of that, it says that God said, Enoch, why don't you come on with me to heaven? And that's where he went. And now, what do we know about the word walk? Walk means that there is a series of what? Steps. There's a series of things that you do in order to say that you went on a walk. Now, I know some of y'all just stand on the porch and probably walk walk your eyes up and down the driveway and say you walked the driveway, but that ain't really a walk, right? That's just talking about observation. We're talking about a movement, talking about taking steps. We're talking about doing things, and this is what Enoch did. This is what we should do. We should come up with steps in order to get the result that we want. And I will tell you that if you grab hold of the Word of God, And if you will have dialogue with God in prayer, that it will give you those steps that are necessary for you to affect your legacy in a godly manner. Because that is what we want. We want generations that put God first so that God can lead them and guide them in the direction that he wants for them to go. Remember this, and then we're going to call it a day. There's a song, I can't remember who wrote the song, but they said that they always feel like somebody's watching them. And that is exactly what is going on. Somebody's always watching you. And because someone's always watching you, you're always able to present an an example for someone else. And so do you want your example to be one of encouragement, one of discouragement. Do you want your one to be uh, your uh, example to be positive? Do you want it to be negative? Because no matter what, even if you don't want to be an example, guess what? That's an example. So no matter what, you are going to be an example. So what type an example do you want to be? Do you want to be an example like Joshua who has to take on the leadership, the responsibility of a man he greatly respected and lead the people on to the next level? Do you want to be a a leader or a, a father like Enoch who made sure that his steps were intentional toward godliness and he was able to influence his family in a godly way? What do you want to do? in order to have a lasting legacy. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for an opportunity to look into your word. And Father, as we work towards setting up those monuments in the life of our family for our future generations to refer to, we ask that you'll give us wisdom and that you will cause God a a fervency in our hearts, in our minds, in our emotions, that we will move forward with a passion to touch our future generations. And as we're doing that, God, as we're taking those steps, that we are changing how we are even today. So, God, we thank you that as the children of Israel and Joshua followed after the ark, and the ark, your presence, showed them the direction to go. As we follow after you today, God, that you will lead us and that you will guide us to the doors that are necessary for us to bring your glory into our family and into our lives. And that you will be glorified in all things that we say and do. That we will leave this earth and that folks will know that our legacy is one that is pursuing after you. Our goal is a godly legacy that you will be glorified in all things. And we thank you for the opportunity, for the selection, and for your faith in us to accomplish it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.